0: Verses in John chapter 11, which is where we are tonight, uh, there are these two sisters named. Anyone live with their names? Martha. Martha and Mary. Martha and Mary, and their brother's name is? Lazarus. Lazarus. He's As He's a dead guy, yes. All right, so listen up. Shh. Martha, Mary, and Lazarus are brothers and sisters that Jesus loved, right? And we hear that Lazarus gets sick. And so they send a word to Jesus, because he's the great physician, he's the healer. They say, Jesus, come heal Lazarus, he's on his deathbed, he's sick. And Jesus does what? Wait, wait. He waits. He waits. <laughs> Jesus lets this guy die. You guys good over there? Right, Jesus lets this guy die. And last week, I encourage you if you missed last week, we talked about a lot about that and maybe why that is. It's because sometimes God's love doesn't look like we think it does. Um, God's love is really just Jesus' life, whatever that looks like. Sometimes in hard times, sometimes in good times. Uh, so I encourage you to go on the podcast and listen to last week. But that's really where we are. He just kind of dropped this bomb on Martha. And he said, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. That's like a big statement. Basically, I'm, I'm the deal. I am life. Life doesn't exist without me. And so that is right up where we are in John chapter 11. Um, uh, Mar- Martha answers. She said, and he said, do you believe this? And Martha answers in verse 27. She said to him, Yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. Verse 28, here's what he says. When she had said this, she went away and called Mary, her sister, saying secretly, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and was coming to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha met him. So you've got to understand, even on his way there, Martha meets him, they do the whole thing Resurrection and life talk And he stops and he waits So you gotta imagine, Jesus is just on the side of the road He's not even, he's still waiting He's still even on his way to go heal Lazarus Raise him from the dead He stops and he waits And Martha and Mary are now running to him and verse 31 then the Jews who were with her in the house and consoling her when they saw that Mary got up quickly and went out they followed her supposing that she was going to the tomb to the weep there so you got to imagine there's this whole group of people that's like following Martha and Mary now there's a crowd forming this is a big kind of becoming a spectacle verse 32 therefore when Mary came where Jesus was she saw him and fell at his feet saying to him lord if you would have been here my brother would not have died When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled. That's a big deal. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And and said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews were saying, see how he loved him. But for some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man also from dying? Again, there's all these doubters. These people are saying, I don't get it. This is Jesus, the guy who gives sight to the blind, who's doing all these crazy things. This guy he supposedly loved. Couldn't he have just healed him? And Jesus is hearing all this and knowing all this and he's about to do something crazy. So when Jesus again deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench. For he has been dead for four days. So this guy's dead, dead, dead. Four days gone for four days. People are mourning his loss. I mean, this guy's a dead guy. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I I know that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said it. So that they may believe that you sent me. So it's almost like there's a reason for the whole crowd seeing this. So they would see God do something good. Verse 43, when he said this, these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The man who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around him with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Even if you don't have a Bible, I think just listening, it's a pretty easy story. Jesus is on his way to go heal this guy, to bring him back from the dead. And there's all this mourning happening. These people are crying out. I mean, just imagine, I don't know, I know some of you don't like your brother and sister like right now, but just imagine they like pass away. And you're for four days dealing with that. Four days you're dealing with your brother or sister dying. And then you go to this guy named Jesus who's doing all these crazy works and you say, just, just do something, God. Just do something. So he comes, and there's this huge crowd watching, and it's almost like God has, has ordained all this stuff to happen. So there's this huge crowd watching this big, you know, monumental event where he says, Lazarus, wake up from death. And so tonight's pretty simple, as you guys have in your notes there. Um, I want to look at three, story, uh, three life lessons from the story of the dead guy. Three life lessons. There's a whole bunch of stuff we can learn. People have been chewing on this passage for centuries and centuries. But I want to look at three things that I think you and I may need to hear tonight. I know I need to hear it this week. Maybe you need to hear it tonight. So here's the first one. We'll just kind of look at a few verses. The first one we find in verse 32. Look at verse 32. (laughs) Therefore. When Mary came where Jesus was... Remember, Martha's already given Jesus the guilt trip. If you'd just been here, God, he wouldn't have died. Verse 32, Therefore, when Mary, her other sister, came there, Jesus, to where Jesus was, saw him, fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Have you guys ever seen somebody like, I mean like shaking, crying, like freaking out, I mean, like uncontrollably crying. You got to picture this. Like, I'm a, I'm a visual guy. You got to picture Jesus is walking on the road and this lady comes running after him, sobbing, bone her head off, falls at his feet. I'm mean, just imagine, just like collapses and is just crying her eyes out. Justin, you guys good over there? You guys good? All right, cool. Crying her eyes out. Saying, God, if you just would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. So here's the first life lesson I think we can learn. And I think, I know for me, it's a big deal. Sometimes God doesn't give us what we want because he has something better. Sometimes God doesn't give us what we want. I don't know if you've ever been there. I've been there. I'm going to tell you a story here in a minute of kind of a lighthearted one. But have you guys ever just cried out to God and nothing happened? Yeah? That's good. That happens to everybody. That's not... Everybody, if you cry, if you are a Christian long enough and you start praying to God long enough and you start throwing all of your stuff on God like the Bible tells us to, there's going to be a time when nothing happens and you're like, dude, what is the deal? God, if you just would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. I don't know about you, but I thank God for times where he doesn't answer my prayer. Um, like... Seriously, when I was seven, I told this story before, so you guys might remember it. When I was seven, I knew I, I met my soulmate. Okay, um, like this was it. It's funny because now my, my sister in law's named Tony, but this girl was the girl of my dreams. Her name was Tony. Okay, and uh, she she was she was everything I ever wanted in a woman. Okay, she was. She was seven. She was taller than me. This is serious. I mean when you're that you know uh, she. She chased me around and hit me on the playground. Okay. She, she could like, she had good handwriting. You know what I mean? Like I was like, dude, this, this girl is my soulmate. And so what I did, what any seven-year-old does who wants to, you know, propose his love to a girl, is I wrote her a letter and I gave her five bucks. <laughs> I, I, I wrote her a letter and I poured out my heart. I don't even I, I don't remember what I said, I wish I had it. Because the story goes on She gave it back to me Which was awesome um, But she uh, Actually she didn't give me back the letter So I wouldn't have it But anyways I, I just poured my heart out You know you, you hit me on the playground I love it You know You're taller than me You have good handwriting I love it What? You like that I mean Yeah I, I don't know She chased me on the playground And beat me up I don't know But so This is what I did I walked up to her and and I handed her the letter, and I just turned around, and just started booking. You know what I mean? Like that was how I showed her that I loved her. And then the next day, she walks up to me, I'm, and she just hands me her five dollars, turns around, and walks away. And I was just like, oh, "No." But I'm telling you, I don't. I, I wasn't a Christian back then. I don't know anything about God. But there was like God. You hear about God. So I remember praying, God, this is my soulmate, Tony. Thank God I didn't marry Tony. Who knows? I actually tried to find her on Facebook recently. I was like going through... and, and, and like I was like send her five bucks. Yeah, anyway. hey, I have your five dollars. Uh, but that's a lighthearted one. But seriously, maybe you have someone like that that's lighthearted. But maybe you have a serious one. How many times have you cried out to God? on something that like you were like, really, really, really bent over. Or you were really passionate about like, God, this is it. And either God gives you a different answer, or He just doesn't answer at all right there. For may- maybe for you it is a relationship. Especially you older high school girls or guys. Is there like a relationship you were in? Like, this is it, man. This is my husband or my wife or whatever. And this is the plan. And we got it all mapped out. And, and did, it, did it maybe not work out? And you're like, God, if you just would have been here... Sometimes God doesn't give us what we want because he has something better. So maybe for you, that's how you feel sometimes. You're crying out. It's like, dude, everything I'm saying is just kind of bouncing off these walls. Or sometimes I feel like I'm writing in a diary to myself. I'm not, I'm not you know, praying in a journal. Who, who, who am I really talking to? Sometimes we have these thoughts like Mary and Martha did. Oh, man, God, if you just would have been here, where are you? Where are you in my life? And sometimes God's doing that on purpose, I think, because he has something better. you imagine if when Martha and Mary called to Jesus, he snapped his fingers and Lazarus was healed? We may not even read about that in the Bible. I personally think Jesus healed a bunch of people all over the place that aren't recorded in the Gospels. But we have this whole drawn out story of pain and suffering and sorrow and a guy sitting in a tomb for four days and Jesus bringing all these people around to bring this guy to life. And we find it in John chapter 11 is one of the most significant stories in my life and maybe your life of Jesus bringing life out of death. All because he didn't answer somebody's prayer. He didn't answer somebody's petition, somebody's plea when they wanted to because he had something better maybe for somebody in the room, you're crying out to God right now. And you're not hearing what you want. You're like, God, where are you in this situation? Your parents are getting divorced. You're, 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 they're always fighting. Or you've got that relationship that just ended for you. Or there's just serious stuff in your life happening. You're, you're like feeling depressed. And there's jump going on. And you're like, God, if you just would have been here, this won't be that way. But all the while, God knows exactly where he's going to bring you to the place where death is going to be defeated and life is going to come from that situation. Sometimes the answer is wait. I love what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It kind of gives us a picture of this. You have it in your notes there. Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then, the day we stand before God, we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. This is a comforting thought to me. August 10th, 1986, a baby boy came into the world named Scott Worthington. I don't know when I'm going to die. I don't know what that day looks like. But it's comforting to me and hopefully to you that God sees that whole thing like I see you right now. That whole thing is laid out before God. But we're so in a tunnel, and all we see is right now. So God sometimes says, wait, because what you want right now isn't the best thing for you. Life lesson number two comes right out of that, because sometimes we feel like God's not listening. Sometimes I feel like my prayers are bouncing off the walls. Sometimes I feel like God has left me alone. Life lesson number two is don't stop Crying out. Jesus cares. I love that we see this in the story. Look at verse 33 through 35. I love this. <clears throat> when Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews who, were, who came were also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled. This is God in the flesh. Deeply moved. Troubled and said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. So Jesus starts walking with them, and the shortest verse of the Bible is John eleven thirty five, and all it says is Jesus wept. Jesus saw these people that he loved,
1: crying out,
0: desperate. And it says that he wept. He was moved. Jesus is not up here. Listen, God knows what's best for you, but Jesus isn't up in heaven like a rule master saying, you know what, Shelby, this, I know you're in this situation, but get back in line. Stop crying. Don't care. I know what's best for you. Get back in line and live your life. Maybe you don't need this right now. For some of you, you're like, dude, I am living life. I'm 15. Nothing bad's happened in my life. And this, this is kind of me. The first family tragedy in my life just happened last year. I never lost a family member. So if I heard this message when I was in high school, I might be like, dude, my life's pretty good. When we talk about this kind of stuff that maybe you think, that's not me right now. Here's what we want you to do. We want you to put that in your memory bank. Because there will be a time where you're just broken in this broken, sinful world. There will be a time when you need this stuff, when you need to understand that Jesus cares for you. That he desires that you would cast every thought, every care, every burden, every worry on him. God, I don't need that right now. You will. I promise you, you will. There's going to be a time where you have no one else to turn to but God. We're going to sing a song. I'm I'm a big music guy. I love music. And um, one of the songs we sing here at Refuge that I love is a perfect picture of this. You guys know it, it's called How He Loves. And it's this like really artsy way of saying God cares for you. It says this, it says that I'm this little tree flapping in the wind of the hurricane that is God. What does that mean? That God is all up in my life. That no matter what's going on, good, bad, ugly, I'm this little tree just taken over by the grace of God. That if, that if grace is an ocean, I'm in the middle of the Pacific with no life preserver, drowning in the grace of God. The world that we live in makes this pretty easy to not realize and to not really cast our cares upon God. Man, If, if God's not answering your prayer, we got something for you. We got a remedy, we got a book, we got an app, we have a counselor, we have somebody to fix your problem. Sometimes there is no fix to your problem, but Jesus and casting everything we are on him. Man, I hope you guys like put that somewhere. Uh, we, we like to, not like, that's a bad way of saying it. Uh, we discipline Bryce, right? Because he's our son, and, and we don't like to. <laughs> yes, that was awesome. Yes. <laughs> But, like, okay, so if he walked up and grabbed this and was trying to mess with it, we would, like, slap his hand, right? I might delete this on the podcast so nobody thinks I, like, beat my child. I don't beat my child. But, like, I have to teach him, like, Bryce, no, don't touch that. That's bad for you. Because I know this thing can come down and fall on you and you can be hurt. So when he goes to touch it, I hit his hand and say no. But I have, like, the most stubborn child ever, so he keeps trying to do it and, like, looks at me and, like, puts one finger on it. (laughs) It's like he said, well, sometimes, and not because I'm angry, but just because it's over and over again, sometimes I'll get like a good one, and I'll be like, ooh, that was a good one. Like, I I heard that one. And he'll just kind of, he'll just just be like, yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, oh, God. Um, But listen, I'm the one that did it to him. I'm the one that did it. And this dude, I I promise, it's... As I, you know, I, I, I explained it last time I worship when we sang the song "How We Loves." If you were there, maybe you heard it. But like having a son has revolutionized that song for me because it's this picture of how much I love Bryce and God's love is like infinite. That, but Bryce, I, I'm the one that hit him. I'm the one that hurt him, and he falls into my arms, collapses, and is just crying his head off, saying "Dad, dad, 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 dad," I'm the one that did it. I'm the hurricane that blew Bryce's tree because I was like, dude, you can't touch that. That's not good for you. So Jesus is saying here, I'm weeping. Even though I'm the one that waited for your brother to die, I'm weeping for the situation. See how weird that is? Don't stop crying out, man. I don't know what you're going through. Maybe someone here needs that tonight. Don't stop crying out to God. He cares. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, I love this. So humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, it says in verse 6 and 7. And at the right time, He will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and your cares to God, for He cares for you. That's like underline it twice. Put that somewhere. No matter what's going on in your life, Throw it on God. He's big enough to handle it, I promise. Don't think this is too small or too big for Jesus. Nothing is. Even when you've given up, Jesus is the hurricane in your life. You can't escape it. You're in the middle of the ocean drowning in grace. So the story continues, Jesus is deeply moved, he comes to the tomb, there's a bunch of people around, and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And then look look at verse 42, I always lose my spot, look at verse 42 and 44, one more life lesson and we'll be done. He says, I know that you always hear me, and because of the people standing around, I said it, so that they may believe that you sent me. So God, I know that I don't have to pray this prayer, like I have the power, I'm God in the flesh, but Father, I pray that you would heal this person, bring this guy to life. I want, I want everyone around to hear that, because there's this huge crowd. I want them to see this big God spectacle. Verse 43, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The man who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, And his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Like, I don't know if you guys caught that there. It's like straight up mummy status. Like, this dude walks out of the grave, bound hand and foot, cloth around his head. He's like mummy, like just walking out of this tomb alive. I'm telling you, these people were freaking out. What on earth just happened? There was a stone rolled over that tomb. That dude was dead. I saw him die four days ago. It's Friday. I saw him die Monday. What is happening? Jesus says, unbind him and let him go. Here's life lesson number three. When dead people receive life, they are set free for a reason. When dead people receive life, they are set free for a reason. I said it earlier, that Jesus could have snapped his fingers from hundreds of miles away and he would have been alive. Even before he died, he would have been healed. I mean, this guy, he's God. He can do whatever he wants. But Jesus waits through the suffering, through the pain, through all the worry, through the hurt, and all these people are around the tomb for this one moment where he says, come forth. Unbind Lazarus. Let him go. For some of you tonight, you have been set free. Again, we talked last week. Some of you were dead in your sin and your trespasses and your pain and your shame. And Jesus said, live. You are a follower of Christ. You love God. You seek God. And you are alive. And there's a whole bunch of people around you right now, wherever you are in life, in your school, in your home, in your, on your sports teams. And just like Jesus in front of all those people said, Unbind him and let him go. I think Jesus is saying, Unbind Megan and let her go, Unbind Keith and let him go. For a reason. Jesus brings dead people to life around a lot of people so people will look and say, wait a minute, that dude had mummy wrapped he was all over him. He was dead and now there's something different about that person. There's something different about, Lazarus was dead and now he's alive. So that's the question really that I want to end with. Are you dead or are you alive tonight? I don't know for everyone in the room. You either know I know Jesus, I've surrendered my life to Christ, I was in the tomb, and God said, Live, and I live. Or you know, dude, I don't know anything about God. I don't have a relationship, I don't ever to talk to God. There's no fruit in my life that shows that I'm a Christian. I'm dead. If that's what you tell me the Bible says, I guess that's true. I'm dead. If that's you tonight, man, I want to talk to you so bad. I mean, I'm getting so passionate and and have for a long time, but really, God's doing something in me that I'm like, dude, there's too many dead people walking around the planet. And they don't even, some of them don't even know what life is. They think life is in a career or a bachelor's degree or a girl or a guy or an app on their phone or something that's going to change their life and give them meaning. And I'm like, no, you're missing it. You're still in the tomb with mummy wrappings all around you. There's... There's only one source of life. Sometimes they just need to hear who that is. So maybe that's you or not. Then I encourage you, anybody who looks like an adult, if God puts it on your heart, man, say, I, I need to know more about this. Because we want to get you some information. We want to show you in the Bible that this is, this is the only source of truth in life, is, is Jesus. But if you're alive tonight, You would say, I'm a Christian, Christian, right here. Are you living like you're alive? When people look at you, do they see somebody who's brought back from the dead, or do they see somebody who's still got mummy wrappings all over them? That looks exactly like dead people look, but you claim to be alive. We talked about that a lot last week, but really the challenge last week was. There's a lot of people that are dead. Go get them. Go get them. And so God kind of put something on my heart this week that um, you guys can come up. The band. I'm just going to close here. But uh, for some of you, I was at Silverado High School for for the Bible Club thing we're doing during the during lunch. Again, if you go to Silverado, be there Thursdays. Both lunches in room 200. But um, I'm walking around the courtyard, inviting kids to be a part of what we're doing. And I just like looked around and I'm like, dude, there's so many kids around here. And I thought, man, what have I done? I go to refuge and I throw this out to students, 2,800 kids at Coronado, 2,300 at Silverado. And some of you guys have me thinking, oh my gosh, what do I do? How, how, do, I, how do I start talking to somebody? Do I just like stand on a table at lunch and start preaching the gospel? No, you'll probably get my chicken sandwiches thrown at me. Don't do that. <laughs> like, what do I do to reach these lost kids? And here's something we come, came up with, and this isn't an original. We borrowed this from somebody, but man, this is good. At the bottom of your paper, during a small group, you'll fill that out. And here's what that says. It says, my one life. Here's what that means. Everybody in you, even if you have to think about it for a minute, has one person in their life that doesn't know Christ. One. Most of those are probably your friends at school. The kid that sits next to you in Spanish. Your friend that's still at the lunch table. Your best friend that doesn't come to refuge and knows what you do but never talks about it. And you never talk about it either. What is one person that you say for the next week, two weeks, month, whatever it is, you're going to be intentional about sharing your faith with that person? Hey, man, I'm not saying you have to get the Bible out and preach the gospel. Say, hey, why don't you come check out my church? Why don't you go check out this image want to say next to our message? Or if you act dead around them, one of the steps is stop acting dead. Act like there's something different about you. Let Jesus live through you and shine to these people. So when you go to a small group, you'll fill that out. And then like, you're going to share that with your small group. Here. This is my one life. Your small group is going to take all the names down. And I promise you, I'm going to pray over these names. My leaders are going to pray over these names. Marketing thing we do, church and Jesus and the gospel and people being lost or saved. This isn't like a joke. Like I'm so passionate about people understanding that they're dead and then receiving life. And I, see, well, I do want you. So there's one person.